Your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. The Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. Here we are, folks. We are one weekend away from the Christmas uh, celebration coming up the following Saturday. So let me first say to you, uh, all of you here, if you are a participant of celebrating Christmas, let me wish you a very Merry Christmas. In addition to a Happy New Year, we have uh, really made it to the end of a new year, haven't we? Uh, As it turns out, uh, we have had a fabulous 12 months of programming here on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. The hours and hours of Thrive Timing (laughs) has been spectacular and stellar. And I appreciate every single one of my listeners who has made this year a success and tripling our listenership. And and there's no stopping in sight as I continue to hear from so many of you that are enjoying the program because of the quality and, and the content and the speakers and the actionable and implementable content and the lessons uh, and wisdom that are being uh, given every week on the show. Uh, And I know that's a winning formula, and the testimonials and the numbers prove that. I want to continue to do that in 2022. In fact, many of you now know that I started a journey of programming that uh, started in October where I focused on wrapping up the last quarter of the year with a theme of a thriving you in 22. And I had said early on that if you're planning on thriving in 22, then you had to start early. You had to begin to reassess and revamp and then re-engage using knowledge and wisdom that has been provided for you, the resources been provided for you. And that had to start early on in the third, uh, in the fourth quarter so that you can begin to prepare in time for the launch of the new you, this revamped, reassessed, re-engaging you in 22 so you can thrive, so things can change next year. Well, we did a fantastic job of bringing that kind of content over these last 12 weeks or so, uh, and today is no different. Today we're going to continue to bring that type of value and content to you for those of you that are looking to thrive in areas of life. In fact, one of our speakers today is going to speak about his latest book, and we'll have him on shortly, but he's going to speak about lessons that uh, he learned from his dad who recently passed away. Now, why is that important? Why did I feel that would be a good topic for us to have as a segment today? Because I know that there are many people today that are enjoying or celebrating, experiencing the holidays with someone they've lost in the last 12 months, someone that was with them last year during holiday, uh, the holiday season. This year they're not. So we want to recognize those individuals that are, are, are going to be experiencing a very different kind of holiday season, but to encourage them to know that grieving is part of the process, but you can extract from the grieving process things that will help you thrive emotionally, mentally, and spiritually in the new year. And so our, our talk uh, today, one of our, our speakers today, is going to speak about how do you learn from the lessons that your loved ones have left you behind 
incorporate, utilize them, so that way not only does it become a way to keep that individual in the forefront of your mind and in your memory, but also to carry along what you've learned from them as far as lessons so that you can continue to thrive in your life. That is part of thriving in 2022, grieving and going through this process of grief, but extracting the positive parts of the experiences you have with those that you're grieving over is another way to thrive. And I bet you didn't know that. We're going to have a conversation about that because that's important. We're also going to have conversations about how do you identify if you're burning out. See, you can't thrive in 2022 if you are experiencing burnout. And if you are an employer, if you are not aware or if you don't recognize the signs that your employees are burning out, then you are putting the success, the thrivability of your business in 2022 to achieve new levels in jeopardy because you're not recognizing that people in your organization are experiencing burnout. We're going to talk about burnout because addressing that is yet another way to thrive in the new year or at whatever point you happen to listen to this particular episode. So today's show is going to be jam-packed full of great content yet again. But I want to encourage you, if this is your first time listening to our show, then let me encourage you to, to go to my website, the jmamietalkshow.com. There, hop on over to the archive episode section, and you'll have a chance to binge here all of my prior episodes from this year and last year, I think that you will find yourself saying what many other people are saying is that the show is addicting. And you sort of get caught up in, in the thrive-minded content, and it becomes part of your daily listening. I encourage you to do that. And while you're on the website, anyhow, make sure you check out all of the other authors who've contributed to the, the show in terms of their books, and maybe you're still looking for a Christmas gift or a holiday gift to give to someone. Any one of these books uh, from the authors who've been on my show are fantastic reads, and they make great gifts. And speaking of gifts, hop on over to my regular site, thejmamie.com, thejmamie.com. I think you'll appreciate what I have on there in terms of my recent books, as well as my Thrivology shop, which had a record-breaking season. We've been now open for quite a while, and uh, yeah, the numbers are in, and we had Black Friday sales, and boy, we sold more products and goods than we've had uh, uh, in one day because of that sale than we did pretty much for the last six or seven months. People are appreciating the content, the merchandise at the Thrivology shop. Hop on over. You can find that link at thejmamie.com. And once again, make sure that you continue to stay in touch with me through my Instagram, through my Twitter. It's at thejmamie. Track me down on LinkedIn. You can also find me on Facebook, thejmamie. Stay connected with me as we continue to deliver great quality, thrive-minded content that will inspire you, instruct you, influence you, and empower you to become the person that you want to be. Now, I want to finish up this segment here. A thought that I started in a prior show when I talked about lessons that we can learn from the idea of leaving cookies out for Santa. I mentioned in the prior show that this is a time of year where we're all very familiar with the scene of cookies and milk left by a young one 
at a table so that Sansa could have his cookies and milk, right? We're all familiar with that scene and it's something that we've grown up knowing about. I talked about in that particular episode, and I encourage you to go back and hear it, about the lesson of expectancy. I want to dive into part two because that's a three-part lesson, and we'll finish up the next part uh, in the next show. But I want to talk about in this particular part of my talk, I, I discuss again, the prior talk, the expectancy, the lesson of expectancy and how we can extract from that. But in this second point, the second part, the lesson is one of gratitude. You see, gratitude is not only a feeling for the kindness or goodness that has been bestowed upon us, but it also extends to the hope of better things to come, which we have yet to experience. Children, they exhibit a pure and innocent display of gratitude when they set aside Santa's midnight snack, long before they've seen anything in the form of gift. They're so confident of the good that will happen for them that they do not wait for the manifestation of that good and pleasing thing before feeling grateful for it. Let me repeat that. You don't have to see something before you are grateful for it. You don't have to see something before you are grateful for it. But here's the tragedy. The tragedy for so many is that as life brings issues and challenges, it grabs a hold of us. And we lose that childlike appreciation and gratitude for things not yet seen. The, the old adage, you have to see it to believe it, takes a toll on our, our ability to feel and show gratitude unless we see the manifestation of that good and pleasing thing that we hope for. Sadly, my friends, this deficiency, it can certainly infect multiple areas of our lives if we allow it to. You see, the simple emotion of feeling grateful can extend itself from the achievement of a goal that you have not yet attained to the appreciation that the right person that is missing in your life is on the way, that becoming debt-free is a reality, that you're passing an exam that you're studying for, and that your finances are in order that might be in disarray. That feeling of gratefulness, that something is being achieved, if you develop that discipline and that habit, you can utilize that technique, that tactic, that very real strategy of feeling something, feeling grateful for something before it arrives to anything in your life. There are no boundaries or limits to what you can feel extreme gratitude and appreciation for without seeing it come to pass. Simply knowing that it will come to pass is enough to begin displaying gratitude. Let me repeat that. Simply knowing the confidence that what you are believing in, desiring, wishing, praying about, knowing that it is going to come to pass should be enough for you to begin displaying gratitude. Ultimately, the more gratitude and appreciation that you feel, the more that will be poured out into your life to be grateful and appreciative for. It is a replenishing experience. The more gratitude and appreciation that you feel, 
the more is going to be poured into your life for you to be grateful and appreciative of. It's a self-replenishing experience. So let me encourage you in this lesson two, part two lesson of leaving cookies for Santa, which is the theme of my talk, is the lesson of gratitude. Show gratitude and appreciation for the very thing that you're believing in to occur long before it occurs. And I believe and I submit to you and I'm confident of it will only serve to accelerate the manifestation of that very thing that you're being grateful for. Folks, we're off to a great start. Appreciate everybody being on the show today. We've got a fantastic episode coming up. We'll see everyone with our first guest, Brian Wright, after the break. Hey, everyone. This is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I just want you to know that my book, my 10th book, is finally available, Thrivology action-stoking and thought-provoking quotes and phrases is now available for your purchasing pleasure. This book has already making tidal waves among those who appreciate content that is driven to give you a thrive-minded mentality and also reminders throughout the course of the week of the things you need to do to thrive. Guys, you can pick up my book, Thrivology, at thejmaney.com. Hey, this is America's number one debt buster, Murray Bullier. And let me ask you a quick question. If there was a way we could eliminate all your debt in as little as one-third to one-half the time without changing your lifestyle, cash flow, or budget, would you like to have a discussion? If you're in the financial services or real estate profession and you'd like to have another tool to have more conversations to help you do more of what you already do without losing your focus, isn't that worth a call? We've saved over $2.2 billion in interest for our clients. Let's have a conversation to see what we can do for you. Business owners, here is a scary fact. Studies show that 85% of new customers looking for a product or service that reach a voicemail simply hang up and call the closest competitors right away. With the Internet, society's patience is long gone. As business owners, we make personal sacrifices to succeed. Giving our potential customers to competitors due to missed calls is not an option. And in many cases, hiring a full-time receptionist isn't either. Now, introducing Abby Connect, the nation's top live receptionist provider. Abby Connect gives you a dedicated call answer team that is trained in your business at a fraction of the cost of a full-time receptionist. Having a live person answering calls can boost profits up to 95%. Stop losing opportunities. Call right now for a 14-day free trial with no setup fees, no purchase necessary, no credit card, and no contracts ever. 855-706-ABBY. That's 855-706-ABBY. 855-706-ABBY. 570 AM KLIF. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I have on the line right now someone that I've been looking forward to speaking with and having my listeners also participate in the conversation that we're going to have. Ryan Wright is not only someone who appeared on my radar through a connection that I had at a recent conference that I was uh, hosting, and I saw the work that he was doing for this other speaker and when the introduction was made and I had a chance to speak to Brian Wright, learned more about him, I got excited about having him on the show. And so we're going to hear from Brian Wright. Not only is he the host of Success Profiles Radio, but he's the publisher of Success Profiles Magazine. That means that this brother talks to successful people all the time. And his latest work, 
his new book, Lessons Learned from My Dad, I've had a chance to read, and it's just a very touching book with tons of lessons on there. So I couldn't think of anyone better to really speak about this time of the year when, when people are going to be reflecting on, on lessons from those that they've lost, especially right around the holiday times, than someone who's right, who just wrote a book that is making impact and, and tidal waves for the readers that are enjoying that book like I did recently. So Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. It's a great honor and privilege to be here. Brian, we're going to dive into a lot of the good things you've got to say in, in your book and, and, and all of the wonderful wisdom that you have. But before we do that, I'd like to hear a little bit about your story so that our listeners get up to speed. Absolutely. Well, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, and it was really, it was really great. I mean, when you live in a small town, you really learn what community actually means. And then I moved to Ames, Iowa, and went to Iowa State University, got my bachelor's in communication studies. And then I went to the University of Nebraska and got my master's degree in adult education. I did some resume writing along the way. I taught in a college environment for a little while and ended up in Arizona. And I've been here since 1996. I ended up in the call center world for a while, of all places, but I got to do a lot of different things. I wasn't just calling people all the time. There were some roles where I got to be the trainer. There was one role where I got to be a supervisor on the floor, and there was one role where I got to be the payroll manager for three locations and 400 employees every single week. Then I pivoted to doing my radio show, Success Profiles Radio. My 10-year anniversary is coming up in a month. And thank you so much. And Success Profiles Magazine is experiencing its fourth anniversary this month. And I help people write their books. So my latest project is called The Greatest Lessons That I Learned From My Dad. And... The motivation for this is uh, my dad, unfortunately, passed away in February this year, COVID and pneumonia. And I had an idea pretty quickly that I was going to do this book, but I knew it wasn't going to do it right away because I had to heal first and process and, and all those things. And finally, this summer, I said, you know what, I think maybe I'm ready now. And so I invited a whole bunch of people to collaborate with me on this project. And the book came out last week. I'm so happy and grateful for the wonderful reception that this book has gotten. And I thank you for letting me come on here and talk about it. Well, I think one of the, one of the at least the, what I gleaned from the book almost immediately, Brian, is once I read that in the book that your father had passed away, this was done sort of as a way to honor him. Yes. I, 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 right? I mean, I couldn't walk away from, from it without thinking to myself, this was a way for Brian to not only honor his dad, but sort of a, a memoriam uh, in his name. And I think that's a wonderful idea. And I want to spend more time on that before we dive into some of the other conversations that I think is good for us to have here. But yeah. during this time of the year, and, and obviously grief and grieving is still relatively fresh with you, you know, you find that people are going to recall and reflect upon those they've lost this time of year. Uh, what would you encourage them to do during this time that is part of what you sort of write about in the book as well? I think, honestly, it comes down to gratitude. It comes down to treasuring your friends and family because you don't know if it's the last time. And it, it really comes down to, you know, not taking anything for granted. When I said goodbye to my parents, after last Christmas, they took me to Des Moines to the airport so I could fly back to Phoenix. And little did I know that would be the last time I would see my dad alive. I had no idea. But we said goodbye, and I you know, texted them when I got back to Arizona because they like to know that I made it home safely. You know, I will always be their kid no matter how old I ever get. 
but it was just the, the family photo we took at Christmas was the last one we had. So I've been telling people, do not ever refuse an opportunity to take family photos. I hated having my picture taken when I was a kid. Hated it, hated it, hated it with a passion. But looking back, I'm glad we had all of those pictures through the years, and especially the one from last Christmas standing behind the fireplace and our stockings hung uh, right behind us. And mom will be putting dad's stocking alongside all of ours. It's the right thing to do. He's still going to be with us in spirit. This Christmas is going to be hard. The first time through everything is going to be really hard. Uh, Thanksgiving was hard. Uh, the mom and dad's anniversary was was hard. In fact, I made it a point to be home that week so that mom would not be alone on our anniversary. And it would have been their 57th anniversary this year. So I go home a little more often, and that's not a bad thing at all. And I call mom twice a day just to make sure that she feels loved and helped and supported in every way possible. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that I think most people can take away from this, whether or not someone has passed in your life, a parent has passed, um, or they're still alive, is cherish the moments that you do have while they're still here. Because as you just stated earlier, they're not going to last very long. And and one day to the next, it could all change. Um, and uh, you'll be you'll you'll have a sense of, of remorse and regret if you didn't take advantage of the time when they were here and appreciate yeah. that. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, one of the things you talk about in your book that I, your your parents were very similar minded to my parents when it came to fighting in front of kids, right? All parents, yep. uh, and that's one lesson that I immediately walked away with from reading that particular uh, intro of your book, where your parents didn't fight in front of you. My parents I only found out they fought when I was older, and I asked my parents, did you guys have a fight? And they said, we had our, my mom said, we had our fight. You just didn't know about it, and we took it to the room after you guys went to bed. I think there's right. a lesson in that, isn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, especially if you consider parenting as teamwork, you, you have to be on the same team. And I think problems in the marriage can really happen when you don't have the same parenting philosophy as your partner. Mm. Fortunately, my parents. We're definitely a team, and they anytime they need to elevate their discussion, they just took it to another room. And my sister and I always had something to do. I mean, we were watching TV or I was listening to music. I mean, I was in my room a lot because I just enjoyed my alone time. But they made it a point to keep that stuff private, and it's a good thing. I mean, you look at TV shows now, parents will fight in front of their kids, their family, their strange, strangers, everyone, and they're dysfunctional. We weren't really dysfunctional that way. In fact, it's interesting, too. My dad and I were both very strong-willed and bullheaded, so we had a lot, uh, but we ended well. I think I grew up, certainly he mellowed out after he retired. My dad had a very stressful job. He was the manager of a grain elevator in our small town, and it was just a very, very stressful career that he had. But when he retired in 2005, one thing that mom said to me is, I feel like I have the man back that I dated in high school. Mm. He's mellowed way out, and he did. And I think that contributed to uh, a strengthening of, of my relationship with my dad because he wasn't uptight about things. Things didn't bother him nearly as easily. Now, to be sure, if I did something that ticked him off, he was not shy in saying so. Mm-hmm. But uh, we ended well. In fact, the last set of text messages we exchanged when he was in the hospital was, I love you, I love you too, with five exclamation points behind it. Yeah. 
And that's my last, that's my last communication with him. And I am so much at peace with that. Well, it was, it was a fitting final farewell text that which you didn't know of at the time. Right. 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 No, we, he was, he was on a ventilator or, or about to go on a ventilator. We, we had a, we, well, we didn't know if he was ever going to get better or not, but we knew it was bad. Yeah. So I think dad was saying that just in case these were his final words that he wanted me to remember him by. So I appreciate the foresight. In fact, for years, my closest friends, every time I have a conversation with them, I tell them I love them because you don't know. And so it's, it might sound a little morbid, but you really never, ever, ever know if this is the last time that you will get to talk to somebody. So I want that to be the last thing that they remember. In fact, I remember I was in the hospital a few years ago, and a friend of mine uh, with MS, uh, he lived down in Tucson, he called me when, when he found out I was in the hospital. We talked like 20 or 25 minutes, and he said he wasn't feeling well and he was very sick. I had no idea how serious it was. His sister called me four days later. I had never spoken to his sister before. And I said, please don't give me bad news. She said, I have to. And my friend Danny passed away, and I was really, really upset. But I do remember the last thing I said to him during our last conversation at the very end was, I love you. I love you, too. And I felt at peace, but it was so upsetting. In fact, the nurse came in to take my blood pressure right after that. And I said, if my blood pressure is a lot higher, it's because I just found out a very good friend of mine passed away. Please make a note of that. <laughs> and it was. But it's so important to let people know that you love them. Some people are really afraid, especially men. Men don't communicate like that. It's like, come on, be serious, be real, and just just own own it because you just you only get one chance at life. And right. if you don't let people tell, if you don't tell people how you really feel, and if you if you feel strongly uh, about someone, please tell them. If you are proud of someone, please tell them. In fact. If you're a parent and you have not made a habit of telling your kids that you're proud of them, please do so because I bet at least one of them has been waiting, waiting, waiting to hear you say that for their entire lives. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But Brian, in our last few minutes here, yes. can you share with us three or four lessons that are in the book that you learned from your dad? And then I would just want to pick one lesson you learned from one of the collaborators that are also sharing their stories of the lessons they've learned from their dad. Right. Well, I think honoring your commitments is extremely, extremely important uh, because I remember one time when I was in college, I had an opportunity to work at a Bible camp and I accepted that position. Well, a week or two after I found out that I was being hired and it was still springtime yet, so the summer hadn't started, I had an opportunity uh, via some friends of mine to go to Washington, D.C. instead and work out there for the summer. It sounded a lot more fun and a lot more glamorous. And so I told my parents, I'm doing this instead. And dad said, oh, no, you're not. You made a commitment. They've made their staffing decisions based on your commitment. You are going to work at the Bible, uh, Bible uh, camp this summer. Mm-hmm. Now, footnote, I did get to work in D.C. the next three years and go spend some time out there. But it was a situation where I felt like something felt like it was being taken away from me. But it was really a piece of wisdom that I will forever remember. And I also do remember being, uh, you know, honoring other people's preferences whenever possible. When, when someone asks you, hey, what would you like to do? You want to make it a win-win. You don't want to be completely selfish. My parents and I were going to go see a concert while they were down here in Arizona one year. And I said, well, let's go wherever you go. And then Dad said, no, no, we'll go wherever you go. We're paying for it. We just want you to have a good time. 
well, I knew I couldn't take my parents to see someone like Van Halen, for example. So I considered who they liked. Well, it came down to Gordon Lightfoot or Oak Ridge Boys, and we went to see the Oak Ridge Boys instead. So when someone asks you, hey, what do you want to do, make sure that you pick something that honors everybody. And in terms of one lesson that I learned uh, from somebody else, uh, my friend Steve Gamlin, uh, his dad was a skilled carpenter. He learned a lot of carpentry skills. And my friend Steve learned from his dad that you don't do sloppy work. If you finish a job and your dad looks at it and says, are you going to be happy with this five years from now? Are you going to leave it like this? And he'll look at it again and say, you know what? You're right. Let's, let's make it right. So do things right the first time. Don't just get done just to get done because your work, the quality of your work, the legacy of your work lives on long after you. Well, Brian, we're going to put your book up at our link so that our listeners uh, could pick up your book. I completely endorse it. It's a wonderful work. We're going to have you back in the future to speak about your Success Profiles magazine and your talk show. We appreciate being on the show, Brian. Thank you so much. And again, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad, Brian K. Wright. Folks, we're going to be right back after the break. Have you ever felt that in trying to grow your business, you've turned yourself into the world's number one pinball? Bouncing from thing to thing, trying to score some points without falling down that black hole looming below you. Problem is, reaction mode is not a sustainable business model. It's not a sustainable life model. I'm Erin Marcus, founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business. If you want to learn how to be in charge so that you can take the actions that get you the results you want, reach out. I'd love to talk with you. Find me on LinkedIn or at conqueryourbusiness.com. Have you gotten behind on your personal or payroll taxes due to COVID-19? I'm Adam Cohen, Tax Resolution Manager at Jack Lauderman CPA. The collection arm of the IRS has resumed enforcement action. You may have received demand letters threatening liens or levies. Our firm specializes in resolving complex tax problems. There are options available. Go to txcpaoffice.com and schedule a free, no-obligation consultation. That's txcpaoffice.com. Cumulus Media is looking for a digital platforms manager for our Cumulus Dallas brands. If you have a great digital background, social media expertise, ability to create customized programs for any number of advertiser verticals, and grow our station brands, we'd like to meet you. If you have three-plus years online editorial experience with exceptional writing, editing, SEO skills, are a multitasker, and can prioritize and focus in a fast-paced environment, and have a great handle on digital technology and social platforms, go to cumulusmedia.com under career opportunities. If you're like most people, you're probably more than a little concerned about the state of the world around us today. Strange times. The stock market all-time highs every day. U.S. debt never been higher right now. Dollars losing value. And let's not forget about inflation, the highest since 2008. Remember what happened in 2008. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, many people, just like you, are turning to Old Faithful to protect themselves during these difficult times. And Old Faithful is real gold and silver from the Oxford Gold Group, the kind you can actually hold in your hands and have in your IRA. No better time than the present to protect your future and the future of your family. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now, 833-928-GOLD. They will send you their free guide on investing in gold and silver and answer all of your questions. Protect your money before things get even worse out there. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-928-GOLD. Oxford is here to help you protect your savings and retirement. That's 833-928-GOLD. KLIF News and Information. Still at 570 AM. And also at 96.3 HD2.
Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line right now, I'm excited about our next guest. I said earlier in the beginning of our programming that we were going to have the tough conversations, but yet tough conversations that lead to thriving. And one of the areas that I know that is very difficult to thrive in is if you're experiencing burnout individually or if your company, if your employees are experiencing burnout themselves collectively and corporately, the success you're going to have as a business owner is going to be very limited. So I, I'm thrilled to have Davida Ginter as one of our business spotlights today because not only is she the CEO of Enkindle Global, but she's also the author of Burning Out Won't Get You There. She's a well-renowned speaker. She's a social change catalyzer, but she speaks to organizations about burnout prevention and that is certainly a topic worth discuss, discussing. So I'd love to have Davida share her thoughts. Davida, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. Delighted to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. I know that you, we, you and I actually, uh, in different time zones, right now you're in Israel. I'm in here in, in Texas. But the value of being able to connect, as we did on LinkedIn, and then using all of the resources uh, is so wonderful because we do have a chance to bring value to listeners around the world. And, and I'd like to start with that by asking you to share a little bit about your story before we dive into the goodness of what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So indeed, I'm located in Israel, uh, northern part, very close to Lebanon, actually. Mm -hmm. And my focus, my mission is actually global. Uh, it has always been. And I found myself living abroad in Sweden and studying sustainability and leadership. And then coming back to Israel when I noticed so many of my colleagues and the leaders I've been working with getting stressed out and then burned out. And that was an interesting point for me to explore. And so I went to interview change makers and leaders. And uh, that's, that's how the book was born, the book project. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from there, yeah, and from there, it was a natural way uh, to gather a team and to start in Kindle Global, the organization, where we actually started working with other organizations, help, helping them to prevent burnout, cultivate well-being and emotional resilience. So there I am. Wonderful. Well, asking you uh, why burnout is... Uh, not a topic that most people talk about is where I wanted to start. I think burnout is something that is not sexy. People don't want to admit it. But why is it that burnout is just not that type of topic that you often hear about? And why should it be? Yeah. So first of all, not everyone naturally want to refer to their pain points. And burnout is very painful. Mm -hmm. And also it requires us to admit that we need to reprioritize. We need to do something different. Naturally, we resist change, right? When you try to push someone, they will push back. And it's not a comfortable place to be. However, mm -hmm. we know that without open up a bold conversation about those topics, without being vulnerable, we can't move forward. So the very first step is to be to acknowledge the situation, to face our stressors and challenges and setbacks. 
and to grow from there. Uh, the reason why it's so needed, despite the fact that it's, of course, uncomfortable, it's needed to face the situation of burnout because it's on the rise. We see it everywhere. everywhere. Mm-hmm. We see stress levels are on the rise. We see um, more people are at the verge of burnout. And it hurts us as people, as humans, but also as people who are engaged in different circles. I have interviewed people who, when they were burned out, their entire family suffered, as well as employees, that when they are burned out, the entire organization um, basically it suffers with them because it hurts performance and other factors. Now, one of the things you said in the beginning was key. One of the reasons that people don't admit that they're struggling with burnout or on the cusp of burnout is because it is, uh, you have to be vulnerable to admit that. And that puts you in a very vulnerable situation, but also it could be seen as a sign of weakness um, that you cannot handle the, the work that you're involved in or the challenges that you're facing. And perception sometimes is a struggle in its own where people don't want to be perceived as vulnerable or as weak. So I I can see why that would be a topic that most people wouldn't talk about. But there's a recent survey from the World Health Health Organization that uh, confirmed the serious health challenges with burnout and work-related stress, which we've seen a lot of that. How did we get here and what can be done differently? It's a question of expectations and norms and culture. Um, social culture in general and organizational uh, organizational culture in particular. We, uh, most of us, so let, let's say my generation, uh, we grew to a culture of um, pursuing hard work, nothing wrong with that, but also to believe that to do hard and excellent work, we need to work many hours, that taking too many breaks is considered to be lazy, We cannot admit that we struggle and many other what we know now as misconceptions. And so when we even use terminology of hustle and grind, I see I meet many entrepreneurs who are, you know, using this uh, jargon. We basically we don't allow ourselves to thrive as human beings. And we draw an artificial line between us as people and us as employees, which is problematic because, you know, we're still people with our emotions and um, our need for self-care and basic needs. And so, you know, to your question, how did we uh, get there is because we, we went along with that current without standing up and say, there's a problem here and our energy is drained. We are working to pursue a mission without taking care of our own needs or of our employees' needs. And this is something we need to challenge. This is to shake the system, basically. And also, we need to measure differently our success. Success is still being measured by productivity, and that's not the only uh, relevant Mm -hmm. uh, criteria here. That's right. That's right. Let me ask you, was that the reason why you were uh, the reason why you were inspired to write the book? Burning out won't get you there is 
surveys and results and what you've studied and observed, was that the catalyst to writing the book? The catalyst was that I noticed an irony. And I've seen people who loved their work, change makers and leaders and, you know, people who really cared and they forgot to take care of themselves. People who uh, pursued sustainability and did not sustain themselves. That was a big irony. And I was very, very curious to understand why. Why do people who really are so committed to the work cannot thrive at the same time? I, the, when I started exploring and writing the book, I had a sentence uh, that I had written down to myself. We don't need to suffer in order to reduce world suffering. That was the catalyst for me. That's fantastic. I, I'd like for you to repeat that again, because that is a mic drop. We don't have to suffer in order to reduce world suffering. That's wonderful. You know, one of the things that I appreciate so much about my guests are these little nuggets, these, what I call mic drops. And that one was certainly one of them. So I appreciate that thought. But how can an individual, because I can almost hear my listeners thinking to themselves, okay, I get it. Uh, burnout is an issue. But how can I, as an individual, genuinely tell, genuinely tell that I'm experiencing burnout and not just having a bad day or maybe feeling sick or a little tired? How do I know it's actual burnout? Yeah, that's a very important question because I had people asking me, am I just bored or am I approaching burnout? Am I just tired? So the, the answer to that is that there are three main signs that really help us spot burnout. First and foremost is exhaustion. Um, I've talked to people who told me we couldn't understand that. We slept seven, eight hours a night and we still woke up tired every day. And the answer is that this is emotional tiredness being translated into physical exhaustion. So if you are feeling exhausted every day, regularly, that's a, that's a red flag there. And the second one is reduced productivity. And this is really like everyone have those, has those days when they feel less productive, but we are talking about something that lasts. And the third sign is that feeling of being cynical and negative towards your work or your mission or perhaps your colleagues or boss. And again, we, we all have those moments when we are a little frustrated, but if it's something that is continuous, that's a sign for us that we need to stop there and ask ourselves, are we approaching burnout? I love what you said about when you are emotionally tired, it translates and it transforms into being physically tired. And that's a well-said statement, being emotionally tired. That's where I, I think it starts first. So well said. I appreciate those three tips, but let's now talk about employee burnout. And what would you say are two proven ways to rescue employees from burnout for my corporate listeners, my business owner listeners who might be interested in learning how do you save my employees from being burnout? What are two proven ways? Yeah, well, <laughs> there are many proven ways. Um, oh, I'm I sure. Like, yeah. I like to refer to proven ways when I go back and understand the causes of burnout. And there are six of those. But let's say the two of those um, 
causes of burnout first, before the proven ways, the causes are that employees sometimes don't feel heard or seen or valued. So a proven way to prevent employee burnout would be to start listening to their input, to ask for their input, but do not stop there. To collect input, that's quite easy, right? Do something mm-hmm. with that because no one wants to be referred to as, okay, so give us your thoughts and then it go to, you know, sits there uh, in the drawer that no one ever opens. So to listen to their input, but also to really include that in organizational uh, considerations and processes, etc. If we look at another cause of burnout, that would be when employees don't feel fulfilled and that they are doing something meaningful. So another proven way to tackle that would be to develop those mini programs of development, areas of development for employees. And it doesn't have to be limited to their role or uh, the area that they are working on. Organizations that do well actually offer employees many directions to develop uh, in. And that's wonderful for all sides involved. You will not lose an employee if you support their self-development in other areas that are not related Mm. to work. On the Mm -hmm. contrary. That's wonderful. You know, you mentioned there's so many different ways and you're absolutely right. And that's why I want individuals, I want my listeners to follow up with you and make sure that they track you down because you've got a wealth of knowledge. But in our last two minutes here, our show is all about thriving and our theme these last couple of months have been a thriving you in 22. So as a new year is upon us, Davida, what would you say are the three things that it is time to let go of if thriving in the new year is the goal? Hmm. What a question. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, that requires some thinking. And the first thing I'll say is that, and that's uh, something also I say to myself, the first thing I'll say, let go is the self-judgment. Mm. Um, <laughs> if there is something worse than burnout is to be burnt out and to judge yourself. And so wow. I said, let go. Yeah, yeah. Let go of the self-judgment. We really want to accept ourselves and thrive from that point. Um, I'd say also let go of that fear of voice of fear and voice of cynicism Because again, those are voices that do not help us make progress. They only make us uh, stay and stuck in place. So the voice of fear and voice of cynicism, we really want to let those two go. And perhaps the third one would be letting go of the need to please everyone. That's (laughs) right. We want to be true to ourselves, to who we are and to what we need. I'm very into being kind, but that's not the same as pleasing everyone else, right? So we want to be also respectful to ourselves. So let go of self-judgment, crush the voice of cynicism, and learn how to validate yourself and not lean on the validation of others for your joy. And that's three things to let go, right? Definitely. Wonderful. David Ginter, we appreciate you being on the show. We're going to put up all your information on our website because there is so much more that you offer that the world needs to hear. 
uh, as you're helping those get past the point of burnout and even avoid it initially. So appreciate you being on the show, Davida. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Okay, I'm totally into this glow stick. I'm a 51-year-old who could never lose weight. But what if I told you one stick a day could melt the fat away? Well, I was shocked when I lost nine pounds in 13 days and two inches off the waist on an all-natural plant. First time in history with clinically proven results for sleep and weight. Results may not be typical, but for me, I was super excited. I want to be your Independence Lease Ambassador. Contact me for a free stick today at glowbylee.com. Hey everyone, this is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want you to know that my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course from Novice to Ninja now is available. If you are an entrepreneur, a business owner, or have a sales-oriented career, and if your skill sets need improvement, if you are struggling with the areas that matter most, how to convert someone from a prospect to a customer or a client, then your sales skills need to be improved. Go visit thrivesalesmastery.com and learn more about this fantastic course. 570 AM KLIF. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line right now, we have our author spotlight. I mentioned earlier in the show that I'm excited about our author spotlight today, Victor Samwell, because he's written a book that I think will have an impact in the lives of young individuals based on his experience. His book, Lost Brothers, uh, has not only been out now, but is also making a great impact in the lives of those, those young folks. So as a result of that, I wanted to bring Victor on the radio show today and talk a little bit about his book. So Victor, welcome to the show. Thank you. First of all, I want to say thank you, Jay Mamie and the crew at Jay Mamie Talk Show for having me on here today, as well as the listeners for tuning in and being here with us. Hey, brother, you are welcome. You deserve the airtime because you're doing some fantastic things. But before we dive into the book, can you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. Thank you, Jay, for asking that question. A brief history about me is that I was born in Nigeria, and at the age of four, I lost my mother. Although I was like, four, you know, although I, I didn't know what that was at the time, I knew that I would never see her again. So, and fast forward, when I was 11 years old, I lost my childhood best friend to a terminal illness. Mm. And a year later, I moved to the United States with my three older siblings to reunite with our father um, after, you know, 12 years of living apart. So, and when we moved to the United States, we landed in Georgia, which is where my family currently resides. So um, for me, I lived in Georgia for a little over eight years before relocating to New York alone, uh, not knowing how I would survive, but I believed that I was taking a leap of faith. So I was willing to embark on the journey. And in 2015, I decided to join the United States Air Force, where I had the opportunity to serve one of the greatest nations on the planet. So uh, it's been a great experience for me. And in 2019, that was when I decided to launch my first book, uh, Love Brothers. And that same year, I was battling with a severe, you know, societal thought, depression, and anxiety. And I almost took my life while I was deployed. Because um, mm. in 20, I was also deployed um, the same year my book was published. So, you know, having all those things um, in, in, in the play, you know, it can mess with your mental health and, and uh, of sorts, so it was just kind of like trying to figure out how to navigate those those roads. So, um, but I'm I'm just lucky that 
after you know after that occurrence, I I was blessed with the vision and mission to start my own clothing company, which is called Delion. And now uh, my mission is to work with organizations and individuals who need a creative um, visionary to help to help them rediscover uh, their mission and purpose, whether in the workplace or in their individual life. And currently, I am working on my second book called The Chronicles of Love, uh, which will be released in May of 2021. Now, Victor, that's an amazing story. And how old are you, by the way, brother? I am 24. It's amazing. It's amazing that you arrived here about uh, 12 years ago, and you've done so much, including now, not only served our country, uh, but you are on your second book, and you've got your own company. You're only 24 years old, and that is just the reason why uh, you're on the show. You are a living example of what Thrive is all about, brother, so I appreciate you. But what inspired you to write the book, Lost Brothers? My inspiration, thanks for that question, by the way. So my inspiration is, you know, comes from the fact that growing up, I struggled a lot with my identity and the need to find courage and confidence. And with that being said, my inspiration was geared towards like finding clarity for myself. Mm-hmm. like to, And from the outside looking in, how to better deal with those insecurities as I continue to explore my unique individuality. I like the fact that you took the courage to write a book like that. What do you hope that the reader of this book will walk away with? My my hope and message for you know for my readers uh, to walk away from this book is that to find to be able to inspire them and encourage them to know that whatever challenges they're facing today, right here, right now, that you have the power to overcome it. You know, oftentimes we are, you know, we get lost in, in everything like around us, you know, in society and stuff like that. So my, my encouragement is to give them that courage to step out with confidence and embrace their unique individuality to never apologize for who they are, because that's what makes us who we are. And that's a strong message. I, I want to ask you, there is obviously so many different people who can benefit from reading this book, but not every book is for everybody. So if you were to, to, to sort of pinpoint who would be the best reader uh, for this book, who would you say that reader is? Uh, great point. I, I believe, so there's a list of people that I believe that can benefit from this or a particular story. And, and, and that list starts with, I would say the young adults, specifically high school students that have experienced the same challenges as myself uh, when it comes to relocating from another country or different cultural backgrounds and are dealing with like sort of identity crisis and those who have been bullied or picked on because I experienced all those stuff. Mm. And because of that, you know, I think it would help them find the strength and confidence to overcome the challenges. That kind of story can be applied to anybody, but you're right, especially those that are young adults, um, high schoolers, middle schoolers, even young adults that are out of high school and are still struggling. But even those that are coming here from another country who are now having uh, sort of a culture clash, they're trying to bring their culture from their country and assimilate it into a new culture in this country. And that can really mess with you in a lot of different ways. 
And, and by the way, I agree with you. I think any teacher, any counselor, any social worker, uh, any leadership uh, uh, director or a oh. ministry or youth director needs to get their hands on this book because it could very well be the book that helps, quote unquote, save the life of someone who's struggling with the same things that you struggled with. But yet here you are on the other side of that running your own company, serving our country, and you're only 24 years old with the future ahead of you. Uh, so, Victor, I, I think that's also, those would be great people to get a hold of your book as well. Any final thoughts on where people could find your book? Yes. Um, you know, one of the main platforms you can get my book would be on Amazon. Uh, but if you also need, like, the signed copy, you can get it from my website, which is www.victor samuel.com again that's www.victorc as in charlie samuel s-a-m-u-e-l.com victor it's been a real treat to have you on the show we're going to have you back again when you have your next book and your projects continue to develop you've got a great story and a great future ahead of you so we'll have you back on the show for sure in the meantime your information will be up on our site so guys you can go find victor samuel's information at our show site at the author spotlight section victor appreciate you being on the show brother Thank you so much, Jay, for having me and us as well as the listeners for tuning in and allowing me the opportunity to share my story. You're welcome. Guys, what a fantastic show. We're going to see you again next Sunday for the Jay Mamie Talk Show and your hour of Thrive Time.